Welcome to the Power of Property podcast. I am your host, Ellie Mackay, a property investor and developer. And this podcast is for anyone who shares my passion for property. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, I want to take you to the next level. I'm going to be bringing some real chat with some of the UK's leading property entrepreneurs. We'll be sharing wisdom and industry insights without any of the BS. Property's absolutely transformed my life and I know it has the potential to change yours too. Enjoy. The fabulous Laura Muse, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. (laughs) So excited to have you today. Now, for complete transparency, guys, Laura is a very good friend of mine. Um, Some of you may more commonly know her as the social entrepreneur. Um, Alongside her husband, James, they're doing some phenomenal stuff in property. Um, But Laura, for anyone who doesn't know you, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what led you to get into this crazy world of property? Yeah, I mean, mine's not a very glamorous story, um, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So um, how we got into property 2014, unfortunately, my mum got diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer, um, 2015, April 2015, unfortunately, she passed away. Um, one massive thing in that time frame was I was working in quite a um, demanding corporate job. Um, I used to be an equine nutritionist, so I used to spend a hell of a lot of time away um we used to kind of work with the olympic team and do things like that so i had to be away a lot and i was and i just didn't get to spend that time with my family that i needed to um, massive regret and after that swore that i would never ever do that again um james at the time was um so he used to have quite a large renewable energy company based in sheffield he used to work 70 80 hours a week like had labor saw each other um we were like passing ships and we just we, we plodded along for a couple of years um james sold his business in 2017 um after we'd had isabel so not not long after we had isabel in 2016 which is our daughter and he kind of went on the property journey alone to start off with um I had set up my own business in the equestrian world. It's all I ever knew. It's the only thing I ever felt comfortable in doing. And then in 2018, we just had a real kind of epiphany, if you want to call it. Um, I'm all good with things like face-to-face. You know, that was my business, um, working with people on a face-to-face basis, growing businesses, um, also the marketing and the social media side. And we just said, why on earth aren't we doing this together? Um so I shut my business down overnight. My suppliers weren't very happy, um, <laughs> as I'm sure you can imagine. And yeah, September 18, I joined James in the business. Never set foot in any of our properties before. So we had six units at that time and started this roller coaster. And I will point that out, roller coaster of a journey um, into the world of property. And the rest is history, I would say. That's, so that's a synopsis of where I was and how we got to where we are now. I love that. It's really interesting as well, because did you not go to a property event and unbeknownst to you, James had actually signed you up for one of the courses? Oh my God, yeah. So um, the day we decided to join forces, he went to do like an um, intro into property because he'd done property for a long time, but we were doing it the traditional way. You know, you save up for a, a deposit, you buy it on a mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and buying one a year just was not at our pace. We need to buy a hell of a lot more to replace the income. 
unknowingly we were about to give up. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And the same day I went and did a social media like introduction course and it was at a property company and I was talking to property investors all morning and I thought, what the hell am I doing? Why am I spending all this time driving up and down the country um, selling boots, which are like seven ninety nine? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what am I doing yeah. with my life? So I met James later on the afternoon um, and he came back and I thought, oh my God, I've got to tell him I want to shut this business down and sell the van he got me and blah, blah, blah. Um, and he went, I've got something to tell you. And I thought, I better tell you this first because you're not going to like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and he was like, I'm so glad you said that. And they were like, oh, why? He went, because I've just signed you up for this deal packaging course. Uh, I don't really know what deal packaging is. But I thought we'd give it a go. I'm like, okay, shut the business down and uh, off we went into property world. <laughs> so, yeah, it, um, it was definitely a, a light bulb day for both of us. And it's not been easy. It isn't easy, but it's been life changing in the short three years that we've been doing it. Hang on a minute. It's not get rich quick? Uh, well, I don't know. It depends if you say three years, I don't know. <laughs> 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 no, I, I'm, I'm obviously saying that in jest, but I do think a lot of people, when they when they venture into this crazy world, and it is a crazy world, they can have unrealistic expectations and you know, what's actually involved and how long it, it actually takes. And I like to be quite transparent about this because, yeah. like yourself, Mark and I did uh, property training with a different company, um, and, and we came out of the traps flying. We bought two properties within four days, but I tell you what, the money didn't hit our bank account for over 13 months. By the time we got that property through legals, which was a whole headache, whole story in itself, but they, they, they always are with us. And um, we were buying it off a board or something like that. It was really complicated and um, took months to get through legals. We did our, our refurb. We actually sold the property within two weeks of it going on the market, but it was still 13, 14 months from start to finish to that money hitting that bank account. So, yeah, any illusions? You don't tell you. Any illusions of getting rich quick just uh, evaporated here and then. But like you say, it's uh, it's definitely worth it. You know, I'm not one for get rich quick. I'm not one to think that in 12 weeks, my life is going to completely change through property. Um but one thing me and James did do, which isn't for everybody. So me and James were quite comfortable. So we had, you know, James had a great income from his business. I had a good income from what I was doing. Um, you know, not to sound like a dick, but, you know, we had a holiday home. We had a boat. We had a very nice car. Um, if we never had to, like, watch what we kind of spent. We were very comfortable. But we would have stayed like that for the next 20, 30 plus years. And then it was we had to be in the business like it was our it was a job basically it wasn't a it wasn't something that just gave us recurring income without having to have so much input it, we were the businesses within them businesses if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, so we had to sell everything we sold everything our income went from very nice comfortable each month to uh, we had a monthly income of fifteen hundred pounds which was net from all of our properties at that time. So it was a big lifestyle change. It was a massive sacrifice. And I will be honest with you, there were many times that I were going to give up and go get a job at Asda or somewhere like that because of the stress and the massive change in lifestyle. But we had to get very uncomfortable to get back what we had. Um, 
And I don't think a lot of people would make that sacrifice. But for us, it was necessary. And it's not for everybody, 100% not. But if there's one thing to give you the motivation to go out and do it and grit your teeth and get through it and ride the highs and the lows of property, because there are many highs, but there are many, many lows, that was the thing that motivated us more than anything. Because we, if we didn't, we'd have gone bust. Like, that was it. There was nothing left. <laughs> we put everything on the line. And that's not what a lot of people realise about myself and James, is that we did do that. And, yes, it was good we had a bit of money of our own to start off with. But like you've just clearly said, buy one or two properties, that quickly gets eaten up, waiting for refinance to come through. Then you've got a pipeline of properties. It's like, shit, well, where have we got the money? you know, haven't got the money to continue to grow at the pace we need to. Yeah. And that's what led us on to obviously working with investors like you and you and Mark do we sell. You know, it's, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I don't think this kind of stuff gets spoken about because you guys have been phenomenally successful within a, a short space of time. But this is the side of it that, that you know, the, there is holes. And I, I, I've made the, the decision, and I don't judge anyone else for doing it, but I've made the decision not to share um, the numbers of our property deals online. And the reason I do that is not because I'm trying to manipulate anything or um, withhold information, but I feel like it can be just such a one-dimensional view of property. It's like, yeah, we've bought this property, we've converted it to HMO, we've flipped it on. You might make 100, 120 grand, but... What is not um, necessarily conveying is the fact that you're paying for two lots of premises or staff or systems or the fact that I've already spent 40 grand this year alone on my personal development and my education. And I think sometimes when people just look at those bottom line figures, like you say, they're not necessarily taken into consideration that you're just reinvesting. I think in the early days, you're just the sensible thing to do, in my opinion, is to take that modest salary and just continue to, to build for the future. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And, you know, that first year in property, so September 18 to probably 19, we we definitely spent over £100,000 in mentoring, education, um, because, I, and I genuinely am a believer that if you're not surrounded by the right people and you've not adjusted your mindset to be in that world, it's exceptionally difficult to succeed. Um, and we look back now and think, oh, God, we could have got a four by to let's do that or oh, whatever. But do you know what? We wouldn't have met the people that we had. And there's no way that mentally we'd have been able to cope with that journey if we hadn't have invested that money in ourselves. And yet it is a hell of a lot of money. Not saying everyone should go out there and spend 100 grand on personal education. Um, but we did. And it has definitely been the motivator to get us, get us to where we are because mentally we, could, we weren't there. Um, and that's what's kind of brought us through that period of time, the learning, but more the people you connect with. And I don't know if you've had this same thing, but, you know, we look back three years and the people who we surrounded ourselves three years ago and the circle that we surround ourselves with now are completely different, completely different. Um, but I'm, gl I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it, it has changed. Um, and the people around you, I think, always evolve as you're evolving. Um, yeah which I think is really important. And Luke, you've evolved to the Mackays. <laughs> You're at the top of the food chain now. You, you, you've just mentioned my favourite word, so I can't, I can't let it go um, un, unnoticed. You were speaking about the mindset there and, you know, you, you opened up a little bit of an introduction to yourself and, and you've told the listeners about, you know, the tragically losing your mum. How did you 
how did you get yourself from where you were then to where you are now in terms of your mindset? Because I know some is something that's a, a, a massive passion of yours as well. Yeah, I mean, so a bit more background on that. So my mum and dad split up when I was very young. Um, my mum was everything. She was my best friend. She was my confidant. She was she was everything. We did everything together. I used to have horses. We used to go to the stables together. We were inseparable. She was like she was my best friend. So so I forgot. I've just got like shimmers down my back. Um, so when I did lose my mum, it what it was. I'm not comparing it to anyone else's loss. This is just my personal experience, and everyone's loss is personal journey to them. Um, but for me. If it hadn't have been for James, um, there was no one else in my life that could have pulled me through that time, and I probably wouldn't be here now. Um, about si- it, about six months after my mum passed away, we've been on away on a lot of holidays. James obviously trying to pull me out of it, etc. It was great when we we're away; things were amazing. Come back, and it was just like a huge slap in the face, like this is real, this is happening. She's still not here, and it was just like reliving it all the time, and it really. I was in a very, very dark place. I didn't know how to get out of that dark place. I probably drunk a hell of a lot more than I should be drinking. Um, not that I was an alcoholic, but, you know, I, I was. I probably would have become that way if I'm being genuinely honest. Um, so I remember very clearly, a year after we met, we went to Chatsworth Show. So this was August 2019. And James, it's where we met. So James used to exhibit there and I used to do my previous job. Um, I'd had a few drinks the night before and the next day James said to me I love you but I don't know what else I can do to help you you need to get some professional help because I just don't know how to move forward in a way that's positive Um, fortunately for me James had met a lady um, called Carrie who was based in Australia um, a couple of years ago when he was traveling and she's all about mines she's She's probably a counsellor in some ways, but it's about mindset, lifestyle. Literally two weeks after, um, I had my first consultation, if you want to say. Um, and it was life-changing. I'm certainly not the person now that I was then. But it would just be more aware of um, the type of person I wanted to be, my actions, how um, they affect other people, but also how other people react to you is not, personal attack on you that's just demons that they have within themselves and it's not personal against you that was something I really struggled with um especially coming from you know a single parent household to James's family which you know are great but the lot it's a large family you know he's got two sisters he's got a lot of you know aunties and uncles whereas I never had that um it yeah it probably took me about eight months speaking to Carrie every week 50 pound a session a lot of money but life-saving, if I'm being honest. And even to this day, um, I still have the obsession with Carrie. Um, and I think it's just how you evolve and maybe a bit woo-woo for people, but I do feel like I am on this earth for other things, whatever them other things may be. I can't actually tell you, but it's just, it's just how my mind's evolved and I'm not so unconscious to life, maybe as I was before. If that makes sense. Wow. Confused you very much. I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it, it's so powerful. And I've always, I've really always admired that 
you, you and James, you've always been very clear about the why, the reason that you're doing this, you know, and we do have to work hard when we're setting up a business. I'm not trying to dispute that. We have to roll our sleeves up and we have to do the work. And we, I don't want to insinuate that that's not necessary, but also you've got to be very mindful of, of being present, especially if you've got a young family. It's certainly something that I've battled with. I've got, you know, I've got a four, a five and a nine-year-old. And what's the point in amassing all this wealth if I've missed out on their childhood or spending that quality time with them? And I suppose it's about... Yeah, I'm not going to lie and say I'm not materialistic or I don't like nice things or I don't want assets and that financial security. But I do think that you, you through life situations, your definition of success really changes when you've experienced personal tragedy like that we did. You know, we lost Mark's dad very unexpectedly to cancer and it all happened within a couple of weeks. And it definitely makes you restructure what the big picture is. You know, and to me, success is happiness. It is finding that inner peace. But for all those people that say money doesn't buy you happiness, having been at both sides of the equation, you know, we've, we've had in my family home, we've had bailiffs coming to the door when my parents um, went bankrupt. We've nearly lost our electrical business in 2016. And whilst, whilst I agree that if you've not got the foundations right, you are building on sand, um, the, yeah, I, I would certainly rather have money than experience financial hardship that's for sure oh god i mean i mean i had i had a horse when i was younger a pony which makes probably us sound rich we certainly weren't um you know my mum bent over backwards to get this pony and people probably think she was stupid and in you know looking back now i'm like mum why would you ever put yourself in that position but she i was everything to my mum and it used to come to the point where to pay the horse's livery we'd live on beans on toast for a week like that to me to me, when you say you've got no money, you've literally got five pounds in your purse. Whereas James's mindset's completely different. He's come from a, a bit different background. All of his family are very entrepreneurial. They've all got their own businesses. James's skin is he's got 50 grand in his account. My skin is I've got five pounds in my purse. Yes. Um, so we've been on very different journeys in a men mental way about around money. And I'm, I don't, yeah, of course, everybody likes nice things. But I'm I'm all about experiences, and I always have been. Um, you know, I'd, I'd rather yes, I've got a nice car. I gave it up. I've got one back finally. But I I'd rather go on holiday and spend time with my family than go out and buy a nice Rolex watch. Or it's just personally how I am. Um, but a hundred percent, you know, I, I probably work three days a week, <laughs> um, and I don't work full days. But that's that's because we've built our portfolio up to support our lifestyle now and it gives you the money, gives you the time. And people who say that it doesn't, I genuinely don't believe them because money gives you choice. Um, so for me, yeah, I'm probably going against what a lot of people say, but having the money is important because it, otherwise you don't have the freedom or the choice. Precisely. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned here your husband, James, and a few of the little fundamental differences that, that, that you have. Now, I know how challenging it can be. Let, let there be no mistake about it. When you work with your other half, it is complicated. How have you, you found that whole experience? How are you still married? How are you both still alive? How do you cope? 
Uh, so, so me and James got married in October 2019, a month after we decided to go into business together. Um, it's certainly not been easy, I'm not going to lie. Like, There's been a lot of screaming matches, there's been a lot of arguments, there's been a lot of sulking, there's been a lot of, I'm leaving, I'm going back to work. Um, but the main, the main, dif- the main difficulty for for us, especially at the beginning, is James has always had his own businesses. Like even when he's from a teenager, so he's always been in charge. He's always delegated. Whereas I've always been employed, but I've always been employed from a, a man a sales manager role. So I've never had to clock in, clock out. It's been very free as my time with work. I organise my own diary, see who I need to see in that day. I'm not really accountable to anybody really um apart from once a month at a sales meeting but as long as you're doing what you need to do no one's on your case so obviously then we start working together and someone's on my case have you done this have you done that I'm like whoa (laughs) this is not going to work if you are going to continually try and micromanage me this is just not going to work at all and being brutally honest I would say it's only been the last 12 months things have definitely been easier we still have blazing rows i'm not gonna lie um we do we do just what just what happens i'm quite hot-headed at times james is the most stubborn person you can ever meet uh and it rubs me up the wrong way sometimes i'm not gonna (laughs) lie um but we the one thing i would say is the best thing we did was we sat down and go right what do you enjoy doing in the business because we found at first we're just doubling up on things like I'm doing viewings, he's doing viewings. It's like, what? We're just wasting time. Yeah. So we did sat down and just go, what do you enjoy doing and what do you, what do you? If we can't outsource the don't, you know, what we don't like doing, we're going to have to work it out who's going to actually do that that task. Um, and easy thing for us is we've got very different skill sets. So I enjoy speaking. Uh, public speaking, going out and meeting agents, all that that front of house, whereas James doesn't enjoy that. So it was quite easy for us to differentiate our roles within the business. Um, James works with a lot of our high net worth individuals for for lending on the the new builds. But then, you know, they see me on social media, it kind of attracts them in and then the kind of build that with James. Um, So that works quite well for us. And James got a lot more experience than me. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, I'm not a property expert I've learned a hell of a lot in three years but I certainly don't know the level of detail that James does on a new build project that's for sure no but you mentioned there that your specialism really and this is you know like I mentioned as I was introducing you you're you're very popularly commonly known as the, the you know the social property entrepreneur um, and, and that's because of the huge success you've had uh, building your own brand and raising finance online and it's quite interesting because talking about the differences I, I found this at the start of my working relationship with Mark as well because a lot of it very similar roles to yourself do a lot of the public speaking um, I'm the the face of the business I always joke and say I'm the face of the business Mark the brains but he's a lot more operational than than I was and you know very much like you I wasn't visiting the properties unless I was going specifically with the intention of doing a social media update or or, or something like that and I think probably even with Mark it took a while if I'm being honest for him and I know this is the same for James would try and mention it to really sort of 
recognize and appreciate the value that that brings to the business and um, because without that side of the business there would be no finance there would be no investors there would be no new build developments or big commercial to residentials or any luxury essays or you know whatever your chosen strategy may be and I suppose I think a lot of people they view social media as a bolt-on to what they're already doing rather than giving it the respect it deserves and almost treating it like a job in its own right. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. I never forget. So the first ever property course I did, it's a lady called Anne Holton. I remember I'd been there two days. I was very quiet. I mean, you know me, I'm not a quiet person. Um, hardly said anything to anybody because I thought I'm way out of my depth here. Like I do not know what we're talking about. And on the third day, I went over to Anne and said, look, I'd, I don't think this is for me. Like, and James was there. Um, I just don't want, and the things I said to her, I went, I just don't want to be known as James Muse's wife. And she went, right, well, if that is the case, then never sit, never sit next to him again when you're out at property courses, networking. She went and be your own person. And I was like, oh, yeah, but how, how do I do that? Um, and then another good friend of mine now, David Siegler, He's like, Laura, you need to be on social media. And it was him that forced me out of my comfort zone, um, which has had literally a life-changing effect. And it's funny, actually, we went to, um, <laughs> last year before lockdown, we went to an, a black tie event. And I spoke at this event, and there was me and James. And as we sat down in the evening, it said Laura Muse. And then at the side, it said guest of Laura Muse. <laughs> I have literally kept that card. <laughs> Jackpot. And I thought, do you know what? That's proof to you that I've done it. <laughs> um, I can't know what the question were, but I just thought well, I'd tell you that. <laughs> we're talking about your social journey because I, I think I'm right in saying your very first video it was Laura on location, wasn't it? It was just you. It's, it's interesting because I don't always take my own advice. Not I don't do it in a paid capacity, but I'm quite often advising people now on how to go and build your brand and how to present yourself professionally in social media. And I very rarely take my own advice. And I know you're the same, aren't you? You're literally just there with your iPhone out on location. And, and that's it, no makeup on, just real raw, authentic Laura talking about, I think it was Gulliver's Kingdom that was yeah. about to open. And off the back of that, the floodgate gate sort of opening, you thought, hang on, I'm on I'm on to something here. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I mean, I, I was set a little bit of a challenge um, to, put, to do a, a social media post every day to 30 days. And I thought, what the hell am I going to talk about? And that's when I cut this Laura on location. Um, just going around Sheffield, obviously that's where we predominantly invest, talking about different areas, what the investment strategy is, what type of properties you can, you know, what the purchase price rough, roughly is. And literally from that, it took me, um, so the Gulliver's World was the, the starting point. I got an inbox message. Uh, the guy met up with me a couple of weeks later. I never thought somebody would lend me a pound and this guy offered me for uh, £400,000. And that took me six, six weeks, uh, six weeks. And then literally a week later, I had another lady offer me 200. I was like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> like, this is just insane. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've raised an incredible amount of money uh, for new build projects, uh, buy to lets. We're just looking at um, luxury holiday homes at the moment, um, which, you know, funnily enough, last week we went on holiday 
sat at Blenheim Palace, sent a few text messages out, and we'd raised two hundred ninety pounds, two hundred ninety thousand pounds for this this build. We we're like, this stuff's real. Like, there's no way through years ago I thought I could sit in front of Blenheim Palace on a family day out, send a few texts, and raise over a quarter of a million pounds for a project. It's just insane. Um, but you know what? We know what's interesting about that, Laura, though, is because your social media st- strategy, if you want to call it that, it, it's very similar to mine. You put a lot of value out there. You put a lot of content out there. You're not very salesy. There's very rarely calls to action. But every time you're out there, every time you're present and posting, you're banking social capital. You're you're in people's, you're dominating people's mind space. And come the time where you do need to raise capital for a project, um, like you say, that might sound really easy and straightforward to somebody just sitting and sending a few messages and raising hundreds of thousands of pounds but actually that's three years of the the compound effect of you showing up and delivering projects um baby you mentioned about the luxury essay there i'd be quite keen for you to talk the the listeners through how you've sort of transitioned in the learnings, because um, again, there's so many similarities in our own journey, but you've got a million projects on the go in the early days and you're running around like a blue arsed fly trying to get everything delivered on time, on budget. And I think as you evolve and you start to get around people that are making even bigger moves and you expand your level of thinking, you soon realize that actually we can streamline this. There's a slightly easier way. Um. So, so yeah, so 2018, we started by Tolets, uh, got distracted by the shiny penny, thought I'd go do serviced accommodation, looked at a block of seven apartments like you do when you're doing nothing about serviced accommodation. Luckily, fortunately, that fell through. Um, I mean, th- that would have probably destroyed us if I'm being brutally honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> not just, just, not just the money, the relationship. Um, <laughs> fell through and then we so we at, at that time we got two by slits which two three bed semi-detaches and then james had done a, a new build project which was um two flats and two shops which we retained today in this in our portfolio which is an unencumbered building um one of them flats came free and i thought oh yeah let's give this a whirl let's give this serviced accommodation a try uh set it up i earned two pounds in my first month hated it like really hated it um, I just thought I, I'll never do service to accommodation again. But that was really at the beginning. When I did HMO, I decided I didn't really like that either. Went back to buy to let's <laughs> love them. <laughs> um, and then this year, last year in lockdown, um, we purchased a plot of land a couple of years ago. Um, and then we started building that out, which was three detached homes. Loved it, loved the bigger project. Um, at the time, I was also working on purchasing a block of 18 a mix of HMO and flats, which we completed in February this year. Now, the life, it was that, you know, I keep saying life changing. They really are like how many bites lets does it take to replace your income? For a lot of people, it's, it's five, you know, five, six bites lets replaces your income. Um, but this building that we bought in February, once it's renovated, we're going to net between eight grand a month that's that's life-changing for me um but we've built built us foundations on the buy to let so every month we've got five grand coming in every month um whereas this building is another eight to ten so we're like shit like why are we messing about with buy to lets and it's not messing about with buy to lets we've done that as a foundation but the more we've grown in our mindset 
and change the people who were around. The sky really is the limit now. You know, we're very aware of cash flow in our business, not over leveraging ourselves. You know, you see many people out on social media and it's all great, you know, I'm buying this and I'm buying that, but we're just like, ah! Uh, to me, that just screams over leverage and a lot of people do that. Get investor money, can't afford to pay it back. We've seen it times many. We are, we're just not, we're just a little bit more with it than that. So we don't. We like to do one big one, one or two big projects at a time, and that's kind of it for us. Um, we just thought, right, if we can replicate this, like buy one of these a year, I'd rather buy one of these a year than 10 buy to lets. That's still yeah. like going to net the same income. Um, and then I met a guy a couple of years ago on a ski trip, a property ski trip. Um, and we mentioned then about setting up. You know, we've all been on property courses and they're great and, you know, you meet some great people. But I think there gets a point when you're out there and you start doing it that you don't really want to be paying for courses anymore because you, you learn better from people that are out there doing it themselves. And, you know, if we're doing a new build project and somebody, somebody else and you come across a problem, there weren't really, no one could really answer that question in that room. Um, so you surround people with doing stuff like you're doing or more. So we always wanted to be surrounded by people doing bigger things than us. So myself and this um, friend, we set up just, it's not, you know, it's not a paid for thing. It's just literally a group of people that we know are out there doing stuff, genuinely doing things, not just saying they're doing stuff. (laughs) We all know (laughs) we've come across them. Um, And one of the ladies in that group, she's, taken over the world of luxury holiday homes showed me some figures and I thought shit it's for me that it's a bit of me (laughs) I couldn't believe it as well because Laura like I hands up had a little bit of a shiny object syndrome myself all my social media content is me talking to me stay focused you can only climb one minute at a time I'm talking to myself but I did I got the classic uh, get your credit card out at one of these events run to the back of the room and off I was saying we've all been there we've all been there we've all been there for one day only and then the price oh my what an offer it was so it was going up to a million pound the next (laughs) I had to get it quick, Laura. I did honestly, but um, but yeah, I remember telling you, and I could, I could see. I think we're on the phone, but I could virtually see you with the eye rolling because you were just like, to be fair, service accommodation was quite a, a time intensive strategy. I think I was under illusions of pass, passive income, and you obviously shared your own experience with with SA and um, only, <laughs> not like you, Laura. Not like you, no old's part. That's why I love you. But um, yeah, I just spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, and again, it's just it's just getting around that higher level of thinking. And do, I mean, do you mind me sharing? I'll put you on the spot here. Do you mind me sharing the sort of numbers that you're likely to get no, from that? You, you, from this what this one project, which is you know hopefully going to be going through through legals, <laughs> based on. Um, only a 58% occupancy. Um, I tell you, I'm not that sharp with figures, but I remember ones like that. And it's going to net, 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 yeah, half a million a year. Yeah. Fuck it's it. Like, like, this strategy is life-changing, but it's not, um, you know, one thing I would say, like the purchase prices of these houses are a million plus. They're not, you know, they're not even 250 or 500. They're like a million pound plus. So, mm-hmm. but we've kind of built that up with our investors that we we can we know we can lend that money from our investors um we've also got the guy on board who 
lent against our new build project. So he's going to do the um, lend against the projects and the development. So yeah, it's just it's just going up that next step again. And you know, I love the thing I've discovered. I love over these last couple of years is I love old buildings. I love mm-hmm. restoring old buildings. You know, like the flats we've got. It, you know, it's a beautiful building, and that is what makes me tick. Um, it's taken me three years to work out what makes me tick, if I'm being brutally honest. Then first 18 months were, I don't give a shit, what makes you tick? This is what we've got. We've got to get back to this five grand a month. This is the minimum that we can live off. This is what we've got to get back to. And we were doing it by buy to lets and HMO and I tried a bit of FSA, it weren't for me. Whereas I think definitely in the last year, you know, I did go down the training route. And at the moment, it's just not, where my heart is I still want to build our property portfolio but new builds is James's um part of the business that's what he loves mm-hmm. I just love it um I like going and seeing what he's doing I like him explaining what's going on I don't really want to be that involved in it because it's just not my strength in our business that's James's strength but you know doing the interior design on things restoring old buildings um is more more me so I'm I'm really looking forward to this next chapter of what we're going to be doing it's going to be uh exciting it's a, yeah <laughs> well I don't think we're going to be going abroad anytime soon so I'm hoping there's a bit of mates rates going to get applied for the service accommodation you know what? It's interesting though because you touched on the new build developments. You've just recently, very successfully, finished some very high-end new builds, and that was your first experience, wasn't it? You you thought you just going straight in for it. Um, you'd had the land a while, I believe. Yeah, so so it weren't James's first new build project. He oh, he wasn't. No, no. So he'd done something quite a few years ago. So James's family have got quite a bit of property. Yeah, say they don't have anything to do with ours if that makes sense um but they like james's family built their own house and built a few um semi-detached properties so he was involved in that um and then in 2016 15 16 um we bought some dilapidated uh news agents and a little corner shop in hillsborough in sheffield um and that was james's first solo new build but we did build to rent so he built the new, the shops, the flats, but he also was running the Energy Clever, which was his um, new energy business. And one thing that was very apparent is we couldn't do both. We couldn't do new builds and we couldn't do running a, a business 70, 80 hours a week. There just there weren't enough hours in the day and it was so stressful. Plus, I was pregnant and we were like, yeah, this is this is not really going to work. Um, at that time, you know, he loved doing that. Um, we bought a plot of land at auction, so I think we bought that in 2016 actually. Um, and we're supposed to go in with James's business partner who was from the electrical mechanical business, but it just didn't we had very different visions of where it was going to be. So James sold his part of the business to him to solely concentrate on new builds. Something we thought would take six months to get planning took 18 months, so we have to revisit our goals. <laughs> And we just we just realised then that new builds are great, but they're very feast or famine. So how are we going to cover our bases meantime to to support that? And that's why we went back to the drawing board with the Vitalettes. Um But yeah, last year was interesting. We broke ground in March, and then two weeks later, the world shut down. <laughs> um, 
a few sleepless nights, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> in our house. But, but yeah. actually, actually, it was um, through the lockdown, building sites were exempt from closing down, weren't they? So were you able to continue to obviously yeah. safely, blah, blah, build your properties out? Yeah, I mean, we were really fortunate that, um, so at the end of 2019, we bought all the bricks and everything for the price rise. So we'd already bought all that. We bought, we bulk bought a lot because there were quite a lot of, play, you know, storage on where we we're actually building. Um when the lockdown came, if the cement lorry was not able to to drop, then we would have been finished. But luckily, we were on an NHS route, and obviously they still needed to be supplied. So um, they were able to drop the cement every couple of days, so the guys could continue. We're really fortunate that the builders, um, there were six of them, so there were three dwellings, two per dwelling, but they were all from the same, they were from two separate households. So four of them kind of lived together and then two of them were in, you know, but they're all the same family. So yes. we were able to, luckily, I mean, that's just so lucky that we were able to do that um, because they were from the same household. But yeah, it took us, we broke ground March. They were finished by September. Um, the first one sold in end of July, August. Um, and they were all completed and all the new owners are in by the end of February, I want to say. Um, and we made, I think it was 186 or 83,000. <laughs> I'm just looking around, seeing as I'd post it anywhere because I am terrible at remembering things. <laughs> um, but yeah, we and, and the J, we had a JV partner on that, so we don't normally do JVs with anybody um, unless it's a very clear sell plan, like that's the exit is selling. And um, we don't retain things on a JV basis with anybody. It's just it's just our personal preference. Mm -hmm. People's circumstances change. Um, whether it might be, you know, might be fine for a couple of years and then four, five, six years down the line, you know, life can throw you a curveball. We know that too well. So that's why we don't like to get in bed, <laughs> so to speak, in that regard. But buy to, uh, sorry, build to sell 100%. You know, we, the guy who um, JV'd with us, he was also our site manager. And just him and James have known each other quite a long time. They worked in operating Sheffield for many years, got some great relationships, forged some new ones through lockdown as well, which is um yeah, been interesting. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> How are you finding getting materials at the moment? It just reminded when you were talking about that, I remember hearing James um talking, I think during the time where you were doing the new build developments. He managed to get, yeah, he, he got some undercover plaster. Yeah. And the, the suppliers were basically telling me he was going to have to hide it under like blankets and stuff because people were following customers yeah. out, tailing them back to where they're going and stealing their, like, I mean, it's like proper mafia stuff, wasn't it? The no, war for plaster. It was literally, in fact, we were really talking about this early with somebody. Um, so, yeah, so luckily we'd forged this new relationship with a new supplier in Sheffield. It would come through a friend of a friend. Um, it did a couple of things for us. And then um, we were struggling for, like, the plaster stages coming up in the house. And we're like, gosh, if this if we miss this, like, it's really going to throw us out of sync. Um, we were ahead of schedule. We are under budget anyway because we were just trying to – for us, that builder a bit different. So we wanted to know what is the true cost to build a house, what is the true cost, not an inflated cost, not with somebody with a third – you know, um, somebody in the middle taking their cost. What is what is the bare bones cost of building a new build property? 
So we were very resourceful. We won't go to them lengths again, but we know if we had to, that's what the cost could be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, things have gone up since then, but, you know, you'd roughly know. Um, yeah, we needed some plaster. Uh, James begged, borrowed, tried to steal. Um, not literally. Um, anyway, this guy rung and said, look, if you want this plaster, you're going to have to come now for it. I think there were 50 bags. He said, it's supposed to be an NHS palette. He says, but if you want it, you can come and get it now, but please bring something to cover, like tarpaulin to cover it up with. Anyway, to like reverse into the yard, like get this plaster on, cover it all up. Because literally inside the shop, there were people dragging the staff over the counter, like they were that infu- like that frustrated they couldn't get supply. We we're like, oh my God, I hope nobody's following us. <laughs> it was like something you'd see on a TV programme. Um, but James had bought this guy, I know it sounds daft, um, a voucher previously to go play golf anywhere in the UK. And things like that go a hell of a long way when you need a big favour. Yeah. Um, and so he was like, look, you know, I've been in this business 30 odd years. No one's ever done anything like that for me. So, you know, I really want to work with you. Um, I mean, the guy also drove down to Leicester to pick us some supplies up during that time as well. So, yeah, I think, I don't think people look after you uh suppliers maybe as well as they should because um, mm-hmm. you know you're really up shit creek they can they can pull it out of the bag if they want to it just depends what relationship you've got with them and yeah it, but no, no, I love that though because you're talking about there something which you know I'm constantly I'm like a broken drum with this one relationships are the highest form of currency and we spoke there about your social capital in terms of raising the investment but it's it's all of these relationships start coming into fruition when the shit hits the fan that's the reality of it isn't it it's it, it, it's giving and building these relationships authentically without expectation but when you look after people um, then then you get it back tenfold and I think there's a lot of people that wish to perhaps to cultivate those relationships a little bit more because it's still very challenging at the moment to get get supplies. Oh yeah, only this morning, like James was in the office this morning, uh, eight o'clock, ringing around suppliers. Uh, somebody was renovating um, a flat for us at the moment. Run, sent a, a text through at ten past four last night. I need these things, or it's going to hold a job up. It's like you're joking me. It's ten past four. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Well, literally this morning, eight o'clock, within an hour, James had fulfilled the order. Um, it'd been to places, you know, like Juicens and whatever else, and they couldn't supply the full thing. But again, this guy who did the A-plaster for us, rung him, literally called him straight back. He's a branch manager and said, look, I can get you X, Y, and Z. If your guy wants to come in an hour, we'll sort that out for you. But that's really powerful, because if we hadn't got that, today our guys would have been doing a job and not, not really done anything we'd have paid them for a full day and they've done it they've done sod all um because they don't think like we probably do like let's order that a couple of days in front and you know like james said to me this morning look if you, if you want to do that you need to give me a few days notice it's not like it were 12 18 months ago you know things have changed it takes time to get stock um mm. but it is about pulling in them favors but you've got to treat i think one thing that a lot of people don't do is you know investors are put on this pedestal for some reason um and bearing in mind they're getting as much value from me as i am from their money because without me their money doesn't work um but people put investors on a pedestal and you know what they say goes which is wrong whereas the people who actually get the job done like all of all of the guys who work for us get paid on time every single week 
because you know for them they live week by week um and i think a lot of people forget about not people further down in the chain i don't mean that to sound disrespectful but to make the, the business work it takes a lot of moving parts and then moving parts have to be respected they have to have the great relationships there has to be a mutual respect which i think a lot of people forget about um you know we see times many people talking to trades like shit it's not going to work <laughs> you know they'll just think you know what i'm, I'm not going to do a great job for you or go somewhere else where they're going to get better paid if you're not paying them on time um there's a lots of different cogs that need to keep turning in order for us to make our property business work mm-hmm. whether it's an investor whether it's our labourer who goes around and picks things up for us, they all needed to be treated as individuals and we respect. And um, for us, that's really important and, and that's what makes our business successful as it is. Wow, you know what? There's just so much power in what you've said there, Laura, because, well, there's a few there's a few different things. Like, firstly, the respect element. Um, every single person, every moving part in that business needs to be treated, um, you know, w- with respect. And... What I love about you is you speak to there is no ivory tower. You speak to everyone exactly the same. You know the the respects there until it's not there until somebody abuses yeah. that. But the point you made in particular about people putting investors in a pedestal, it drives me mad. You see it all the time. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I was probably that person as well three and a half years ago. hundred oh, percent the same. Yes. Yeah. Because like you said there, you know, I didn't think somebody would lend me 20 quid, let alone think I'd be in the position where we are now, where we're raising millions of pounds in in private investment. But I tell you what, it's not until you do your first project and you realise how much work's involved from dealing dealing with... unprofessional solicitors to what whatever it may be all the different complications with the trades and just you know, there's too many things isn't there to list yeah, yeah. but you realize that you're the one that really is bringing the skill bringing the specialism you're sourcing the off-market property you're literally doing everything and that person's just getting a quite considerable return on their investment if you want to compare it to the 0.01 base rate but yet so many people just you know worship that investor and I think we're led to believe if you follow the mainstream media that there is no money out there and actually that was quite a big revelation for me how much uh, you know money was everywhere it wasn't in my previous social circles but the fact that somebody could just reach out to me on LinkedIn or Facebook and the same manner they've done with you and and literally um, be looking to invest four five six hundred thousand pounds I mean obviously there's further due diligence that people do and you know you're having phone calls conversations zooms meeting in person whatever that may be but ultimately all comes from from having that online presence but I think it's a bit of a mindset shift and and that's the the point that I want to make it's it's knowing your value and knowing that it's both partners in any relationship have really got to bring bring equal value and our, our very first just a little story just a quick story but our very first we have what we call, Mark and I call, call, you've got your investors and you've got your preferred investors and your investors are all sat at your property networking events. Everybody's talking in property speak. They want a BRR, you know, buy, refurbish, refinance. They want X yield. They know all their criteria. Um, and I'm just sat there thinking, well, if I find a deal like that, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be giving it to you. Um, but the preferred investors are more our avatar. That's your your cash rich, your time poor, your 
consultants or your barristers or whatever else you love what they do they love their professions but they just want to put their money to work and the very first preferred investor we had that we were uh, working on a fixed return basis had given us a hundred thousand pounds now at that point our business bank account was probably one hundred thousand and seven p you know like we we had the abundant mindset but our bank balance really didn't reflect it at that time and we'd done all our terms of business and everything else and the, the tone of the email started to change it was like it became quite derogatory a little bit disrespectful and we made it wasn't even a difficult decision really we just made the decision that he genuinely wasn't going to be a right fit for our business um, and although we were relatively new to property we've been in business for quite a lot of years and we didn't do it to be beholden to somebody or feel like we had a noose around our neck and we we literally transferred that money back and call it call it a bit woo-woo if you want but I believe if we'd have accepted that money if we'd have kept that money and we'd have started to transact in that way then we're putting out to the universe that that that's that's our value that's our worth and um it's just not you know I just believe you've got to start as you mean to go on no 100% and I think um a couple of things that I mean on a personal note is you know we've got in so we do two things in our business we have people who do long-term lending so people who will lend between uh, three to five years uh, so we can recycle the cash as much as possible. So we have a, a pot of them. Um, and, you know, now we've built up our buy-to-let pot. Once them contracts have come to an end, it probably will be on a project-by-project project basis because the projects are bigger, there's more in them, and we can do that. Whereas with buy-to-lets, it's very difficult to to be giving, you know, 10, 10, say, for example, 10% on a buy-to-let, you know, you're lucky if you make that yourself, do you know what I mean? Um, so we do longer-term lending. I'll, I'll tell you, the people who do the longer-term lending, there's there's a couple in there who we've known for many years, many, many years, um, being, you know, whether they're family members, whether they're friends, and, you know, they don't live an affluent lifestyle, they're very careful with the money. We genuinely never thought they would have had the money that they did um it started off with a lot you know a lower loan um and then it increased um and we're like jesus like you, you can never judge a book by the cover a hundred percent not and you know i think a lot of people do do that like you know someone who dresses smartly might have a, a rolex or or whatever they might judge them in a way that oh they, they must have money but joe blogs at the side and his you know three tenths and crocs might not and you know it's just not it's not you need to keep your mind open to who might want to invest with you and just going back to your point you know we've been into deals this year that have fallen out of bed because we know what our value is we know what we're bringing to the table and I think because someone brings one element to the table and we're bringing three doesn't really work for us and then they think their value is more because they brought that initially and we're just like do you know what thanks thanks for asking but we're not interested and we've, we've gone off and, and that we've done that with two projects this year one were quite a large project which were nine houses one were a smaller project of four but we we know our worth and we know that and it's got to be a, a two-way thing it's not you know it's not a uh, 60-40 it's got to be kind of 50-50 really you know we'll bring the experience you bring the money or we'll bring the money and you do the job <laughs> you know it's it, that's kind of the exchange we personally expect in our business. Um, but it's taken a long time to realise that. And we've done things in the past where we're like, 
oh god that would a waste of time <laughs> you know um, all that all that pain and aggravation for sod all really but you know that other person's got the lion's share where we put the lion's share of work in but I think I think it is a process to learn your worth if I'm being genuinely honest especially when mm. especially with me um you know I, I anything with four legs horse-like I'm there I'm your girl but you know something with a front front and back door apart from living in it I'd never had any experience with so I were like a fish out of water um and yeah probably put a lot of people on a pedestal didn't know my own worth but you certainly learn it and you've got to stick to your guns sometime and we don't work with any investor that approaches us as I know you don't they're not the right personality match for us there's no point yeah Um, we and James are not gonna tell an investor how much nuts and bolts cost you're either in the project or you're not you know there's got to be an element of trust but it's a two-way trust um yeah so for us that's a bit of a deal breaker if it's not not there I, I love that though because it, you know what it's there. There is a lot of bullshit out there. Let's just call it how it is. There is a lot. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but you did. <laughs> there is a lot of smoke and mirrors, and I bet you've found and This isn't this isn't talking about any individuals or specifics here, but I bet you've found over the last three years that some of those people that you initially put on the pedestal, when you've had a closer encounter with them, they've not necessarily been um, everything that they've projected. It's definitely a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors, as you like to put it, I think. Um, lies. Basically, <laughs> basically lies. Um, I'm, I, I mean, you know you know me on a personal level, so it's different. Um, I, I do wear my heart on my sleeve. I tell people when I've had a good day. I tell people when I've had a, a shit day. I tell people what we've done in property that's worked well, that hasn't worked well. And I think a lot of people give this perception of property that it's all sunshine and rainbows and you know you can only ever make money in property you can never lose it we all know you can lose money in property you can start legals a deal falls through you could lose tens of thousands whatever um but i think one one thing for me is social proof and it's one thing that we've built our business on and that's why we've got the investment that we have one thing i discovered quite early is there's a lot of people talking the talk, but not actually delivering or walking the walk. So consciously, every project we have ever done can be found on social media, bar the things pre-2018. Um, so everything we do is documented on there. And it's not just worked with investors, but also from a lender's perspective. Um, me and James are very transparent people. We don't bullshit. We'll tell you how it is, good, bad, everything in between. That's just how we are, but that's how we expect our investors to be with us. That's how we expect our trades to be with us. That's how we expect our solicitors, our accountants. Everyone who we're surrounded by has that mentality that they just talk to you straight. There's no, let's just sugarcoat this for to not hurt someone's feelings. That's just not how we are. We just want it straight. And yeah, I mean, We've done that on social media. It's worked well for us. That's just how we are. Um, it weren't a conscious strategy or whatever. It's just what we are as people. And people buy, you know, people who invest with me might like me and not particularly gel you. People who, you know, you work with might not particularly gel with me. That's just life. Um, yeah. But one thing I will say is both of us are authentic to who we are and what we do. Um yeah. And that's why we've always been so strong on documenting social proof 
not just for his investors, but also for our lenders. Um, and one one thing that's quite apparent is, so last year during the lockdown, we had a private lender lend on the build. Um, normally, you have to send out a quantity surveyor, comes and does, checks what you've done, etc. James used to ring him up, right, we're at this stage now, I could do with another 100,000. Um, what do you want me to send? What do you, do you need to send somebody out or... No, it's fine. I've been watching what Laura's done on social media. I'll transfer it tomorrow. Like, literally, that's just how it works. <laughs> we were like, oh, okay. Uh, maybe this social media works after all. Um, but, yeah, we, we, you know, we've had that with him, the big building that we did, that we completed on this year. You know, we bought uh, we bought it for, eight, um, sorry, 848. So I think we got 65%, 75%. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they stalked us on social media. Like, the first thing any lender does now is go on your social media. So I know there's a lot of investors out there that don't want to do with social media, think it's a job. To a degree, yes, it is. But if you want to have that um, solid background of what you've done, where you've come from, for a lender even, or an investor, you, you've really got to use the power of social media. Um, we wouldn't be where we are now without it, 100%. What a brilliant way to, to round up. That was, it's just, honestly, it's fascinating watching your journey because we'll go a couple of months without speaking and you've just, you probably won't recognise it in yourself on a day-to-day -day basis, but when you go a couple of months without speaking to someone, you're always just light years in front and it's um, it's just brilliant to see it all coming together and the projects are getting bigger and bigger and, and actually finding, you know, what's really nice to hear as well is that you're falling in love with the process you're finding the kind of projects that are stimulating you and identifying that that's not the new builds like James and you're starting to really live life on your terms now which you know to bring it full circle you know where we started this conversation it's all about what is your why and that's that's been present not only for Isabel but for uh, for baby number two who's due in January yeah January January so it's all going to change. Laura's social content from January will be very different. Um, where can people find you, Laura? Um, all over social media. Um, Laura Muse or our company, which is I Squared Property. Um, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, website, you name it. <laughs> Everywhere. She's all over. Oh, not on anymore. I'm not a fan of Clubhouse. I've gone off there. So you won't find me much on there anymore. <laughs> I know. Well, after doing sev several uh, talks and keynotes on Clubhouse, I don't think I've logged in it. <laughs> You've been a phenomenal guest. I knew you would be. Um, I hope the listeners enjoy it as much as I did. So thanks, Laura. That concludes another episode of The Power of Property. If you've enjoyed today's content, please make sure you leave a review, subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you feel would get value from it. It really does make a difference. Until next time, goodbye.